You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the Hows and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopers and SB Nation. If you'd like to subscribe to Hows and Growls, please follow the link in the show notes or head to housandgrowls.substack.com to grab a free trial or a $3 per month subscription to the newsletter. Today I'm actually recording this as my first day off from my day job, which will be a very regular thing from now on, and that comes about purely from Hows and Growl subscribers, and of course, listeners to this weird little post-game podcast that I do. So if you do listen to this pod and don't subscribe to Hows and Growls, then please consider jumping over there and signing up. It helps so, so much with my career goals and obviously monetarily as well. Hopefully the fact that we have over 200 paying subscribers at the moment is enough to convince you that the content is at least something to go and have a look at. But there is a game to talk about and man, it was a heartbreaker. The Wolves who were looking to start to build above 500 for really the first time this season were not able to do that and end up falling to the Utah Jazz 126-125. After Jaden McDaniels misses a shot on the buzzer to win the game, after some really good action and a really good look in the end. As the storyline probably suggests, it wasn't a really bad night, apart from the fact that they didn't get the win, which would have been a really important win. Minnesota kind of have had the ascendancy for most of the night, but it was never really comfortable enough and never really a big enough lead where it wasn't something that you felt like Utah could pull back, and in the end they did pull back. The Wolves just couldn't quite hold on to that lead until the final buzzer. Even with Lowry Markinen out, the Jazz have a ton of shot makers, and they really do play like a team that is really, really well coached, and those teams are always hard to beat, even when they don't have their best player and, I guess, a budding all-star in Markinen. But even then, this one stung, man. It stung because of the way it ended, with McDaniels missing that really clean look to win the game. It stung because Minnesota had a chance to start, really start putting pressure on the four seed in the West, and now they sit back in ninth position. And it stung, maybe most of all, because famous Timberwolf Walker Kessler was such a massive part of Utah's win. But all of Tesla and Vanderbilt and even Beasley's on-court production would have meant squat if the Wolves had eked out a win here. And really it was their defensive mishaps that cost them that win. And that's why this episode's number is 129.2. As in the 129.2 points per 100 possessions or the 122, uh, 129.2 defensive rating that the Timberwolves allowed in this game. So let's take a break and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into that number. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, as I said before the break, the Wolves registered a 129.2 defensive rating in this game. And obviously, that is not a good thing. In fact, that number ranks in the 8th percentile for all defensive ratings from all games by all teams this season. Now, the Wolves, I don't know, I guess to me, probably feel like they've had worse defensive nights than this one. This was kind of one of those up-and-down games that never really felt like either team had a had a serious grip on, and it never really felt like Minnesota were getting absolutely roasted on defense, at least not in the first three quarters. But it's still clearly too high a number, that 129.2 number. And it really did end up hurting them. And maybe unlike some of those nights where the Wolves' defense did feel a little bit worse, it hurt them especially because they were the better team in almost every area in this game, at least statistically. In this game, the Wolves took and made more threes. They had more assists. They shot better from the free throw line. They had nine steals to Utah's zero steals, which is very strange in and of itself for a team to have no steals for the night. Minnesota, kind of branching off that, had just six turnovers compared to Utah's 18 turnovers. They scored 20 points off those Utah turnovers compared to the six that the Jazz scored off Minnesota's mistakes. And they doubled Utah's fast break points while having the biggest lead of the game at 11 points. They even scored more points per 100 possessions than Utah's 129.2. Minnesota scored 130.2 themselves. But they lost, right? And that is the biggest number of them all. The L in the column. And they lost because they just couldn't get stops. And they especially couldn't get stops late in the game. And I guess to add on to that, they couldn't end their possessions with defensive rebounding, which is another very important aspect of defense. And obviously something that the Timberwolves struggle with pretty consistently and even more so on a night like this where Rudy Gobert exits the game in the first quarter and never comes back. On the night, Utah shot 53.6% from the field, which is bad for the Wolves, but even worse than that is that they shot 81.5% at the rim for the entirety of the game. That's a massive number. That number ranked in the 91st percentile for all games played this season. And a lot of that came as a result of that poor rebounding and that poor perimeter defense. The Jazz offensive rebounded 35.5% of their field goals in this game, which is just way too high. And then branching off that, they scored a massive 1.8 points per possession on the resulting putback attempts after those offensive rebounds. And while you think that the defensive and rebounding issues are something you can kind of 
figure out, I guess, along the way throughout a night. It actually went the opposite direction for Minnesota. It spiraled even further as the night kind of wore on and we got into the fourth quarter. Now, I'm sure you've heard this number, but I'll torture you with it again. Utah shot 15 of 18 from the field in the final period. You, your ears are not playing funny buggers on you. They shot 15 of 18 from the field in the final period. That is 83.3% from the field in a game that they won by one point. And to make matters even worse, I guess, two of those three last quarter misses resulted in immediate putbacks by our old friend Walker Kessler. So really, the Utah Jazz missed one shot for the entirety of the fourth quarter. So in a game that ended in a one-point loss for the Wolves, it doesn't take much mental gymnastics to imagine what just getting one or two more stops could have done. Or even if they held Utah's field goal percentage to something still ridiculously high, like 60% or 70%. So no, no matter what you think of the Rudy Gobert trade, and what you think right now is probably a lot worse than what you thought before this game after watching Kessler and Vando have really great nights. But the need for Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert has really never felt more apparent. On the season, opponents shoot 12.3% worse at the rim when Gobert is on the floor. 12.3% is obviously a monstrous number. It ranks in the 97th percentile league-wide and is actually the best number he's produced throughout his entire three-time Defensive Player of the Year career. On top of that, opponents get offensive rebounds 2.5% less when Gobert is on the floor, and that number ranks in the 78th percentile, and is actually only 0.1% of his career high number. The Wolves were dealt cards in this game, and they had to play those cards, and really, even without Gobert, they should be able to stop a layup line incurring in the fourth quarter, and they should be able to stop, get, be able to get more than one stop in a whole quarter. But it's pretty painful to wonder how that game kind of transpires if Gobert is around. But that's how it is sometimes, you know. This that's how cruel this game can be. You lose your rim protector and your rebounder, and you come up against a team who has a really tall guy who rebounds the ball a lot and scores at the rim, and this is what can happen. And that's something that we certainly know as Timberwolves fans, just how cruel this game can be. It's certainly not the worst thing we've seen this season. It certainly wasn't the worst game we've seen this season. It was actually a really good game from both teams and Minnesota, thanks to one final shot or one stop they didn't get in the in the fourth quarter, or one really soft whistle that they did get blown against them being wiped away. And maybe we're looking at this game as another really, really good win. But that's not the case. And that's not how it always goes. And the thing with the NBA season is that it will continue to roll on. And next up on the docket is the first seed Denver Nuggets on Wednesday. Phew, that doesn't get any easier. So I'll be here to discuss that really tough game. I hope you'll be too.